hereby declare that Igor is not bad. Yeah. He's good. Mom, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? They said I'm good. So please let there be Christmas presents this time. This is the meat of the podcast. Wait, have you ever have you ever caught your have you ever caught your profile reflection in the mirror? Yeah. 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 This shit feel like I won't ever make it home. Graphics backed up, I got to get off of this road. Flipped on the gas, I swear to God, I'm in my zone. This is She's in Russia. I'm Smith, and I'm in Brooklyn. And I'm Oliver, <laughs> and I reside in St. Petersburg, Russia. And what is this episode about? Your mom! <laughs> <laughs> Today, we are overall talking about the Runet. What's the Runet, Lily? Runet is short for the Russian internet, also known as just like the internet in Russian, Russian language. We dug deep into the recesses of the of the runette, not that deep though, we're pretty weak, and <laughs> pulled out a wonderful human out of the slime. His name is Igor Belkin, and he's joining us today to talk about the internet. Rather than us introducing you, we'll ask you to introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Igor, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Igor. So, uh... I am a 32 years old uh, journalist, question mark, musician, two question marks, blogger. This is the part where I barf. And, uh, well, like media personality. I I used to work for different web journals on the TV and all that. And uh, after 30 uh, happy years and 29 actually happy years uh, of life in Russia, I decided that uh, it was time to move someplace else and surprise this someplace else turned out to be new york city comrades the one other thing we wanted to ask about your background is this telegram channel do you feel comfortable talking about that? oh yes please i have two telegram channels one is called yibanistika second one is called Poebistika. both are super offensive swear words in uh, russian they turn out to be super popular at some point i have like uh, about twenty nine thousand subscribers in uh, Yibanistika in 25, I think, thousand and Puyibistika. So yeah, when I moved to America, it was it was kind of uh, tough for me the first year since uh, I got no college degree and uh, all my wonderful experience in Russia and all my accomplishments and awards mean, uh, well, I guess absolutely fucking nothing. So I was having a hard time finding me a decent job. So, well, depression kicked in all that, and I was sitting at home with nothing. Everybody and their moms, too, were setting up new Telegram channels, like uh, recommended reading, fanciest columns, best analytics, and it all looked so fucking fake and pompous that I decided to do something that was, well, the direct opposite of it. So I came up with the most offensive name I could, uh, Yibanistika, when the channel became popular, uh, people were thinking about uh, like excluding me from the charts 
for it being a swear word. And I was the only channel that was never linked to, even though I gave interviews to different media outlets and uh, TV channels, and they never actually said what the name of my channel was. What does it mean? Well, I think the closest maybe might be like mindfuckery. Yeah, like fuckery. I was just going to say like all all sorts of fuckery is like Yeah, that. yeah, exactly. I think you're correct. All si- all, all kinds of fuckery. And uh, so while uh, all the hipsters and journalists and journalist hipsters and all that kind kinds of people whom I truly <coughs> respect uh, were creating those fancy Telegram channels, I, I made Ibanistica and I was posting memes, all kinds of super offensive or brainless and tasteless content. Funny videos, people dying in car crashes that look hilarious, people dying because of their stupid behavior like, look, Mike, can dance on top of the moving train, boom, you're dead. This is really terrible, but at the same time, when you're feeling really sad and down and you can see other people getting hurt, it kind of helps you a tiny bit. It helps you feel a bit better about your miserable life uh, in a new country where literally nobody gives a fuck about you except for IRS and probably some credit card scammers. So um, it really helped me get over it. And then as time went by, uh, I found myself a decent job and uh, the channel got more popular than I ever imagined because I thought like, okay, I'm going to let all my friends on Facebook know I have a Telegram channel. Okay, I have 100 subscribers. Cool, 1,000. Who the fuck are these people? 10,000. Jesus fucking Christ. And so on and so forth. And a lot of people started sending me all kinds of weird messages, pictures, and... Uh, the most annoying ones were probably uh, people who tried to purchase my channel for like, I'll give you a hundred bucks. Okay, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Obviously, there's high demand for all sorts of fuckery in Telegram. And that's cool that you're the one filling that space. But I also think it's cool, as you already know, that I like found out about your channel before I met you <laughs> and was a, was a fan. Oh, thank you. Thank thank you so much. Wait, I want to set up the premise for this like section of questioning. So I think Lily may have mentioned this to you, but I feel like in the wake of the 2016 election, the way the American internet culture is broken down is like into the kind of the platforms in which content exists and like 4chan being, you know, the hotbed of like the alt-right and Tumblr being the hotbed of like far left identity politics. And so I just like, kind of want to learn more about, you know, runette culture. And so the first question we have around this is like, is it possible to break runette culture down into these defined categories in the same way that it's possible to break American internet down into these categories? Runette. Yes, comrades, runette. You're doing it right. Okay, so um, before I start talking gibberish, I, I wanted to say that what, whatever I say next might be biased because... Well, as you might have guessed, I'm not a very pro-Putin kind of guy. Well, I might be biased because I'm a liberal journalist, blah, blah, liptard. Things I say are mostly stereotypes, and of course, they're not 100% correct because you have different types of people across all platforms. But in general, it's considered that uh, Facebook is like a forepost for Russian liberal uh, journalists and other people who sympathize uh, towards... I forget words, Jesus Christ, who like, okay, people who don't like Putin, okay, so uh, all the liberal journalists, etc., etc., they mostly use Facebook. Facebook was uh, one of the foundations the um, uh, 2011 protests were built upon, uh, and uh, thanks to Facebook event systems, some of the largest protests were organized. 
So uh, historically, Facebook was like considered more elitist and elitist and liberal than other platforms in Russia. Одноклассники, which is one of the many Facebook clones that do exist in Russia. So Одноклассники is very popular. It's like uh, several dozen million strong in Russia alone. And it has very, very different user portrait. So like Одноклассники is like a place for people outside Moscow and St. Petersburg. You know, like regular Russian people who watch the TV and uh, who respect and love Russian president and who honestly think that whoever opposes Putin is an enemy and probably a fascist and probably an American and probably all of the above. Things you can see on Adnoklasniki are really wild. I mean, they post all kinds of bullshit. And I have uh, some good friends who were messing around with uh, people on Adnoklasniki. They were like putting a picture of some Nazi soldier, adding that this is a freedom fighter for the Donbass, for Donbass Republic. Oh my God. And he died protecting veterans and kids from Ukrainian Nazis. And this shit gets like gazillion reposts and people keep saying this is a true hero true russian hero whatever facebook was accused of adnoklasniki is guilty of everything so fake news fake memes all kinds of weirdest crap about the opposition about liberal journalists about my friends and colleagues jesus christ uh, it's all there so vkontakte is something in between so there are a lot of people who dislike putin There are a lot of people who honestly think he's a goddamn messiah and might think they, okay, I'm okay with that. And uh, of course, there's Twitter. So Twitter used to be some kind of refuge for liberal journalists, surprise, but that was some seven years ago. Twitter was relatively young, it was relatively fancy, oh my god, why haven't I already symbols? This is so cool, it's like, you know, text thing, but nobody's actually charging you. That was the very, very good times. I was younger, not as ugly and, and uh, grumpy as I am right now. We were having really good time. There was us, our friends, our followers, and everybody was happy. But then, well, Putin's fans kicked in. And uh, a lot of, well, different kinds of technologies were used to, well, change the whole landscape on Twitter. So they were uh, artificially inflated accounts. Uh, there were bots that were swarming like every popular account. For example, you post something, some um, opposition figure retweets that, like say Navalny retweets your tweet, and you get ready to getting like dozens of death threats. People like saying all kinds of shit to you like, oh my God, I wish your daughter dies of cancer, you liberal Nazi scum. This really made uh, Twitter absolutely impossible to use. And um, I struggled for a couple of months after, uh, well, Putin sympathizers swarmed this wonderful platform. And then I was, okay, fuck it, I'm done with that. I didn't know about all those stereotypes, especially on the Klasniki, because I like just have no contact with that. Well, I uh, consider yourself a very lucky person, because if you wish, I can open you this slipgate to hell, but you don't want to, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> okay, wait, just a little bit. What about a little bit more historically, because I'm specifically thinking of Live journal. Live journal was a big thing in Russia. Correct? Oh yeah, yeah, it was. It was huge. I thought not, nothing will ever will ever topple that. But 
people used to say the same about MySpace. Whoever knows what MySpace is these days? I mean, only Asian guys like me. Smith, in the States, people didn't use LiveJournal, right? They they did a little bit, actually. I remember people in middle school having LiveJournal, but it wasn't something I ever had. So you're saying you're making a, an analogy with MySpace and being like, yeah, it was a big thing, but like, whatever, and now it's not a big thing. Well, LiveJournal laid a foundation for a lot of good and bad things. I think it became really big. It started getting really big in 2003, I guess. Yeah, when they uh, removed the invitation system. So I joined the Live Journal in 2001 and it was considered, you know, like, uh, this is a very exclusive VIP platform, an exclusive club that was called, like, ZZ User, like Live Journal Users. ZZ was standing for Живой Journal, Live Journal. And, uh, well, it, it was a very closed yet very uh, cool and interesting community. Live journal is not a, what it used to be. It was cool uh, when there was like several thousand active users and everybody knew everyone. And it was something that we had in common. So there was a whole bunch of different people, but we had this one thing, live journal. And whenever somebody unfriended someone, <laughs> it was a drama of like international proportions. Why did you unfriend me? No. Why did you unf- I don't care. You don't have time to read your friends list. Why did you unfriend me? Oh my God. Th- this was so hilarious. And all those fuckboys boasting how many friends they have. There was a, a word, tisichnik, which meant like a guy with a thousand friends. And, uh, some guys were saying, like they have 500 friends. And that was like, oh my God, are you serious? God, damn. this really means nothing. Live journal slide. No, having 1,000 friends was considered like super cool. So if you have 1,000 plus, you're like a superstar. If you have 3,000 friends, you're like Jesus Christ meets Dr. Dre. And then they have a baby Kurt Cobain or something like that. So it was like <laughs> insane. Yeah, we also ha- had music festivals. Yes. What? Uh, the, yes, we had current music festival. That was awesome. I mean, all the musicians swarmed to live journal, like indie musicians. And uh, we had uh, music festivals, like uh, among uh, live journal users. That was amazing. There was a lot of booze, a lot of girls, everybody got laid. It was like fucking 60s. I wasn't even born in the 60s, but I imagine that it was probably as cool as it was in the 60s. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We don't get it. (laughs) Wait, so the the live journal, like did live journal the company organize it or users organize it? No, no. The community, the the community created this whole stuff. And then you met in real life? Yep, we all met in real life. That's the point. And fucked each other. We all met <laughs> in real life. Other. We literally knew knew, and sometimes fucked each other. Yeah, that's correct. So um, we had music festivals. There were a bunch of people creating ex- services for LiveJournal that fixed all the flaws the LiveJournal had. So when uh, LiveJournal had no picture hosting, Russians created a picture hosting for LiveJournal. Whenever LiveJournal had no stats... Russians created stats service for LiveJournal. The services that were tied to LiveJournal, uh, created by Russians, uh, essentially led to making one of the biggest pirated music libraries in the northern hemisphere. And uh, that was good. 
But uh, then, first they removed the invitations. This is where everything went to shit because a lot of newcomers swarmed the live journal and didn't know the rules. Well, the community fell apart. I mean, there was just too many people. Everybody got lost. Uh, the music festival thing died out. The live journal meetups died out because, well, everybody had access. It was no longer an exclusive club, so why bother? And then Russian-based company Subfabrik purchased the, the service in 2007, I guess. They, they made a very weird deal that they purchased the Russian segment of live journal. So they basically purchased everyone who had an account who was based in Russia. Everybody knew it was just a formality, and after a couple of years, they purchased the rest of the thing. Uh, the founder of the service, Mr. Fitzpatrick, whom I adore and worship, he, well, he made a lot of money and quit, and he was like, okay, fuck this live journal thing. I'll go do some other stuff. He wasn't Russian, or he was? No, he wasn't, he wasn't Russian. He was, uh, I, I remember reading his interviews, and he was, I think, really surprised by the fact that his creation... Well, it never was crazy popular in the States, but it turned out to be the most uh, popular social platform in Russia for almost a decade. Was there a reason for that or it was just kind of a fluke? Russian are, uh, Russians are weird. Do you see people who like post, you know, memes and humorous content and stuff playing off this idea that internet freedom is being restricted or do people not use that as material? I don't know anyone personally who did that. But I can tell you that, that me and my partners, we were actually threatened by some orthodox acolytes for posting memes about Jesus. And uh, we were getting some serious threats, including life threats. They uh, actually met with my friend and partner in Moscow and they brought guns with them. They put those on a table and they threatened to, well, write letters to courts and uh, make them, uh, well, prosecute us for uh, extremism because, well... Uh, apparently, we have insulted their feelings as uh, their feelings as Christians. Where, where were you posting them, though? Like on your personal where? That was Lintach. It's a very huge news community, but people know that me and uh, my partner Andre were like the founders of that thing. So we were the guys they addressed their questions to. Wait, can you give us an example of like one of the like jokes you were posting about Jesus? My favorite one, uh, actually, it's an old one, and we never people gave us shit for that, but we kind of got away. Uh, it was about Gagarin, well, the first like man in space, famous Soviet spaceman, and all. Yep. So uh, I can describe this meme. I really love it. I uh, I, I think it's one of the few things uh, I'm really proud of that I <laughs> made in my life. So yeah, I'm proud of a meme I made some five years ago. Imagine four tiles, four pictures, like picture one, a guy with a, with a phone, like, hey, this, uh, descendants, how you guys doing? Picture two, have you landed on Mars? Picture three, uh, an Orthodox church. <laughs> like Picture four, very disappointed Gagarin. <laughs> you, you, you replace this picture number three with pretty much anything, with religious fanatics, with, uh, I don't know, Anything uh, in Russia we don't like. Uh, show Gagarin who's disappointed. Show his Mars expectations. And it always works. Well, we angered a lot of people. Like, how can you crack jokes about an Orthodox church? You ungodly liberal Nazi scum. Americans. Yes, something like that. So Confusing. All kinds of stuff. 
just a slight side note, like these people complaining, really orthodox guys complaining about their feelings being hurt and then like you potentially being actually taken to court for some form of extremism. Do you happen to know if that's the same law that like Pussy Riot was charged for? Yeah, this is exactly this is this is exactly the same law and uh, the text of the law is so vague that you can bring anyone to court for pretty much anything. You get away with all kinds of jokes most of the time, but post something in the wrong place in the wrong time and you're in trouble. It's not like you have to be scared all the time. It's not like you have to be afraid that the police will bust your door open and uh, arrest you the moment you post something about Jesus. But the very possibility that you might get prosecuted for something you should not be prosecuted for is not very comfortable. Right. Yeah. Scary. Well, well, I'm I'm saying it's just uncomfortable. It's not scary because... In Soviet Russia, the severity of laws is being compensated by the necessity of following <laughs> the rules, you know? But, um, that was too complicated I, I, for the accent. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I appreciate your point. And also, like, as uh, an, an expat in St. Petersburg, at least, like, I, I've said this before on the podcast, and I will happily say it again. I for sure in no way live in fear. Right. It's, it's not even like you're saying like, oh, I defiantly don't live in fear. You just like you're not living. In fear. I just don't like I'm. Yeah, I'm like yeah. not scared. This is going to bite me in the ass. I'm going to court soon. I can just feel it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you can you can actually you can actually come up with a with an English translation because, well, I think the Russian phrase will make more sense. Строгость законов компенсируется необязательностью их исполнения. The strictness of the law is compensated by the lack of necessity of following it wow oh i see yeah that makes sense okay describing memes is not it's like really describing like jokes format to consume <laughs> yeah it yes that's exactly what it is but i guess i just i want to be able to give people a sense of how russian memes differ from american memes is is there any like one specific political or any meme you've seen recently that you could describe that you think would exemplify that well at first like some five years ago Russians were copying the, uh, well, international or, say, American meme patterns. It was super popular among school kids. Like, remember those rage face era? Yeah. Those dark ages of memes <laughs> when uh, all you had to, had to do was, like, Control-C, Control-V. Like, <laughs> it's like me going to school. <laughs> this is me stepping into shit. My face when I stepped into shit. My face when I fucked your mama. So the, these memes were everywhere. It even gave birth to like postmodern memes when all those rage faces were distorted uh, to a point where it was super hard to even figure out what that was. And to people not familiar with this culture, it looked like, well, a bunch of degenerates on drugs decided to draw something. But it, for us, guys from the internet, it was super hilarious and meaningful. So say uh, an example of a meme that will never be understood in America, but was super hilarious in Russia. We call it Pickup Flamaster, which is uh, uh, some kind of um, uh, joke on Pickup Master uh, kind of pattern that came from America initially. So uh, there is a very poor drawing of this pickup guy who is good at pickup lines. 
So there's a very poor drawing of a girl who asks, "What is this?" Like in like a very distorted Russian language.、Uh, the pickup guy says, "It's a dick." <laughs> That's the whole thing. And then he turns into swastika and、uh, walks away. <laughs> What? This picture. Wait, me and my friend Andrei completely. We've been laughing for like thirty minutes. We couldn't fucking stop. It was so hilarious. But you have to be, you know, exposed to this whole meme culture, like live through different,、uh, through several iterations and modifications of it to find this picture funny. Yeah, maybe explain what Pickup Master is like. What the layout is. Ah, okay, okay, sure. So、uh, there is、uh, there is a guy looking super confident, and he he's approaching a girl. And he usually says something well weird like, "Is your father a pirate?" Well, girl, girl usually responds with, "No, why?" <laughs> and then there is a punchline. And where did he get such a treasure? So, and there's like pickup master, right? So this is supposed to be funny because it's a really hilarious well pickup line. This was a really popular pattern because there were all kinds of you know weird、uh, pickup lines and replies to that. That was really funny. To some point, after first couple of hundred of pictures that look the same, it's no longer funny. So then,、uh, after those memes created by school kids mostly stopped being funny, and they were literally everywhere, people started deconstructing this、uh, meme pattern, and they started drawing those differently, add nonsensical captions, and、uh, well, it all came to this very deconstruction that the essence of postmodern memes that. What is this? It's the dick. Pick up for master. Like right, this makes no sense, but it's brilliant at the same time. The way this guy turns into swastika is. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. It sounds retarded, I know, but it it really is funny. No, no, no. But like, there's four panels. There's a dick in the first in the left panel, a girl and a dick. Then there's a girl being like. Stoeta, like what is that in some like fucked up Russian? And then there's a guy in the third panel being like. That's a dick, and then in the fourth <laughs> panel, it's just—it's like to me the swastika when it says "pick up Flowmaster" in the fourth panel. It's like to me, it's like him rolling away or something. Like I don't know, what is he doing? Why? Well, it's supposed to mean that he's waving his hands as a sign of victory, but he's actually rolling away as a swastika. <laughs> don't try to find any sense here. There's none.、Okay. There was there's another pattern of memes that、uh, is only understandable to Russians. Oh, ahueli, yeah. Yeah, ahueli, exactly. So,、uh, well, some people、uh, like to mix English words into their Russian speech. At times, it's appropriate. I mean, when you're discussing some high tech stuff and you don't have a proper Russian words for something, but most of the time, it sounds really hilarious. For example, ну ребята, нам надо разрискировать этот митинг, you know. Потому что, ну, у нас случились важные issues, и поэтому нам, конечно, нужно, ну, postpone все наши plans, потому что, ну, все слишком complicated, понимаешь, да? So this is exactly the Brighton speak. Brighton speak. Yeah, I call this personally Brighton speak when people throw in random English words into their speech, and you can you can always tell when they're showing off, right? Yeah, there is a meme pattern based upon that. People take screenshots from different Soviet cartoons, like classic cartoons everybody knows, and、uh, come up with imaginary captions that mostly contain swear words. I don't even know how to explain that. It's very 
diff- difficult to explain this speech pattern, but random words are replaced with English and Russian. It gives you a little like clockwork orange feel to it when people, you know, like add random Russian words into the English speech and vice versa. So it, it sometimes takes a lot of time to actually decipher what they wanted to say. Best example is the picture of a wolf from uh, like through Piglet's cartoon who says, are you ahuyeli tam? It's like, are you fucking out of your mind? Или вы что там охуели? They mix two phrases. Are you out of your fucking mind? И вы что там охуели? And you get, are you охуели там? Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I don't know how it works. It is stupidly funny. I mean, there's nothing about it. It's just a picture of a wolf, of an angry wolf. And uh, are you охуели там? And Jesus Christ, I laughed so hard when I saw it for the first time. And for the second time. And for the third fucking time, it was still funny. They like, who the fuck is this? Ripping microphones, making classic cuts and shit. Like, ain't that a fucking trip? I'm talking that. Yeah, I'm talking loans. Come harder than two X's. Yeah, I'm talking chromosomes. Think you fucking with the wrong kind of animal. Take your every line and then punch it like Pacquiao. Mama sat me down, taught me about the birds and bees. Buzzed around, found I ride the twiddle dumb, the twiddle D's, the forbidden seed. Grew into that strange fruit, slamming no pomegranate. God damn it, I'll change you. I'm the same dude from third grade who wrote poems and tickled ivory. Now I stay blue like the sky singing in minor keys. Ain't got no time to sleep, different kind of mood you see. In the city where they swallow youth and bombing eulogy. So of course you see the fucking brood in me. This probably has something to do with me being, I don't know, I don't want to say I'm like, I was born American, but I somehow feel more comfortable in New York than I've ever felt in Russia. Probably because of my exposure to American culture since early childhood through movies, through books. That was really close to me, and there was nothing shocking about it. I mean, the only thing that somewhat annoys me is the uh, New York subway. <laughs> yeah, you and the eight million other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like New York subway is probably. I don't even know. I ha- I know enough words to describe my attitude towards the MTA. Okay, I don't like MTA. All right. <laughs> Do you have a favorite cartoon from? Like American cartoon because you said like you grew up with American movies and stuff. Oh, oh yeah, I, I, I probably my most favorite American cartoon is the Aladdin. Uh, the, 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 yeah, I tell you that it had uh, an amazing Russian translation. You Americans probably don't know, but we were exposed to American culture through VHS tapes that were illegally uh, brought to Soviet Russia. Oh hell yeah! And there was well nobody. Few American movies were translated well professionally, so there was a bunch of legendary translators who did this illegally at homes. So they used shittiest gear and had to modify their voices so they would be unrecognizable and KGB won't trace them. Or the, the rumor mm-hmm. has it, so they d- d- did it. So, so uh, the, their voices usually sounded like that. I'll try to that. So, for example, like uh, American actresses, like. F- f- fuck off 
So that was very, very peculiar, you know, you know, like, like pitch and the way they pronounce stuff because they never had ready text. They were like, uh, it was like a synchronous translation and it was really very inaccurate. <laughs> so thanks to, thanks to those translations, I could actually hear about 90% of original, uh, of original lines they said. And uh, this is how I started learning English. I'm really genuinely curious about this, and I think Smith is also because she wrote the goddamn question. It's about like the political climate in the U.S. right now, Russia Gate, you know, like anti-Russian sentiment, blah blah blah. Since since leading up to Trump selection, and then now in the Trump era, given that climate currently in the U.S., have you noticed any difference in the way people interact with you uh, once they like find out you're Russian? Because if I'm not mistaken, you were there before the Trump bullshit as well. When when Trump got elected, we were like, okay, we're NFA, we ran away from Putin and came here just to get this. Seriously? Uh, of course, nothing changed because, well, I, I only have uh, several more reasons to crack jokes to random strangers. So whenever they talk to me like, yo, what's your name? Where are you from? My name is Igor, and yes, by the way, my apologies for the elections. We just couldn't help ourselves. <laughs> and you know, it's a it's a really nice icebreaker for any kinds of conversations in the bars, etc. Because, well, there is no way you can treat that seriously. And, uh, well, CNN coverage is really a shit show. I mean, Trump has two scoops of ice cream, everybody has one. Breaking news, impeachment is imminent. Like uh, Wolf Blitzer assembles uh, like nine experts who say that Trump will get impeached within a week or I will eat my tie. And of course, a week later, nobody eats their ties because, well, they're experts. They know better. So uh, nothing, nothing changed at all. Uh, I just have a couple more jokes I can crack. That's all. New York is not America because America is very diverse. It's very different. And I think in... In certain states, I would have been treated differently. Uh, it's not. It's not like I tr- travel a lot. I usually, like move from Queens to Queens, <laughs> from my home to my office, and, uh, and back. So I occasionally, get to Manhattan, and uh, that's it. So I, I, I never checked how specifically people say in Bronx will treat me if I say that I'm Russian. Like, yo, dude, I'm Russian. Do you want to spit me in the face? Nothing like that. So. Uh, but I never encountered any aggression towards me for uh, being Russian. And none of the people I know from different states and towns and cities, etc. None of my pl- pl- friends of Russian descent, they've never encountered any uh, discrimination or any aggression towards them. At least uh, nothing they've ever publicly uh, spoken about. That's good. So Americans are just like holding it all in and just letting the media do it for them. I might be wrong, but I think most of the Americans are tired of this hysteria. Yeah. Trump himself is bad, but it's this uh, uh, witch hunt which is making it really worse. I mean, I don't even know how to explain, but it really distracts the American people from what matters. And what matters is the way Trump handles their country. And instead of discussing the things he does, uh, the taxes, changes uh, that benefit his friends, we discuss how many Russian friends on Facebook he's 
uncle has. <laughs> like, seriously, what the fuck is wrong with you? So, okay, two years ago, on this day, Trump drank Russian vodka. <laughs> Illuminati confirmed. Yeah, but at the end of the day, we're, we're all just people, doesn't matter, like Russian-American. And we should stop giving a fuck about whatever we're being told on TV. Yes, yeah. I like that moralistic line. Yeah, you've been talking about memes the whole time and then something. <laughs> Let's come together. Yeah, right We're now. We're all one people <laughs> and we all should be on one Telegram channel. Mine! <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. Thanks! You're welcome, comrades. That's the episode. Thanks for listening. As always, subscribe to us on whatever app you use for podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at She's in Russia. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter at She's in Russia.com. If you have a question that you would like to ask about Russia, there are now two ways in which you can contact us. If you are non-US based, you can call our Skype and leave a message and you can find the Skype just by searching She's in Russia and it'll come up. It'll have the little bear so you know it's us. You call, it'll ring maybe one time and then it'll go to voice message and we'll be checking that regularly. Or if you're US based and you want to call the old traditional way, that number is 347 one, two, six. Follow me on Arena. My name is Smith Freeman. You find Arena at are.na and we'll be posting all the Telegram channels that Igor was referencing and other good Russian memes that we reference. So definitely this is a visual episode. So go check that out and subscribe to those Telegram channels. And we will see you next week. All right, fine. Okay. Go fuck yourself. Uh, I mean, go. All right.